Come on, let's thank our worship team for leading us today. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Hey, turn to the person next to you before you're seated and tell them you look good today. Well, good morning. Happy Easter. Welcome to Easter at the chapel. And uh, before we dive into the message today, I want to do just two quick things. Um, if you didn't get a little uh, worship guide, a little Easter worship guide, there's a little survey in there we want to get to you. And so just hold your hand up. Our hosts will come through and they'll get anybody who didn't, I know it got kind of crazy. Just hold your hand up. We'll get you some guides over here. Our team's coming through. But uh, if you are new with us today, we're one church in a couple of different uh, locations. And so we all link together for the message. And so before we dive into the message, I would love to look at the camera in the back of the room and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond, Scott's edition. Love what God did last night in Easter. Love what God's doing this morning, 930. And I want to look in the camera as well and welcome the Chesterfield County Jail, Virginia Department of Corrections, a couple of lobbies. Come on, Midlothian, let's welcome everybody. Come on, like you've never done it before. We're glad you're with us today. If you are new with us, I know we have a lot of guests and friends and family with us. We always dreamed of having a church that was for more than just our own church people that could serve the community. And so you, you should know it's an answer to our prayer that you're here with us this weekend. And I know it's kind of crazy. We're in the middle of expanding some facility stuff here. So give us till next year to figure that out. And uh, But thank you for flexing. In fact, do you know in 10 minutes across the street in uh, Swift Creek Middle School, we'll have our first ever church in a middle school as well. So how cool is that? And uh, thankful for all God's doing in the life of our church. And thankful for you. I love you. Prayed for you. Praying for just a moving weekend in the life of our church. And in fact, God put this on my heart. That not only did Jesus raise from the dead, but because Jesus rose from the dead, the dead and dying places of your li- in your life and mine can come to life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead can live in us and can bring brand new life. And so our prayer today is you wouldn't just be somebody who would uh, participate, spectate, but participate in all Easter has. And so if you take out that little uh, uh, survey card, I'll just say one thing about it before we dive into the teaching today. And that is that we love to do a survey every Easter year. And in fact, one of my favorite things about these cards is there's a chance to write down some of your prayer needs in there. All those are prayed over by our team and our prayer team. So I love to go through the prayer requests that are that are written there. So anything going on in your life, we take that serious. Pray through them one by one by one just to cover your life, your family in prayer. So you can write those down. And then on the back, you'll see there are a couple questions we ask. I'd like to hear a message about what the Bible says about. We call this a survey. And uh, every year in the fall, we do a, a message series, teaching series um, called You Ask for it or something like that and it's based upon all the answers to these questions to this question this weekend like it's maybe a part of the bible you want to hear taught on or a current event or a topic you want to hear um we love to jesus often taught in response to questions so that would help us and then we want to serve you and your family as best we can and so if we were to add a yearly conference to our schedule we did this a couple years ago we got so many people asking for a student conference so we added that and uh, we, we just want to serve you as best we can so if we 
were to add a yearly conference to our schedule, what, what, I give a few suggestions there. What are, what are some of the things on your heart and mind? We'd love to just serve you in any way we can. And I'll, I'll give you a little update in just a few minutes at the end of the, uh, uh, of the service. We'll collect those survey cards. But again, so glad that you are here. And, uh, who's excited to be in church? Come on. Uh, uh, good to be in church. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them, you look like you need a little church. Come on, tell them that. Look like you need a little church. <laughs> well, we had um, a group of about over 40 people from our church just come back from a trip to Israel. And uh, I heard a story a few years ago about a couple that went to Israel. And uh, husband and wife and his mother-in-law went with them to Israel. And when they were in Israel, uh, his mother-in-law passed away. And and the undertaker came to the man and said, uh, you have two options. We can send her back to the States to be buried. That'll cost you $5,000 or, or it's $150 to bury her right here in Israel. And the man said, no, we want to send her home. And the undertaker was um, kind of surprised by this. He said, I'm shocked. It costs you $5,000 to send her back to, to the States, but only 150 to bury her right here in the Holy Land. And the man said, well, I heard a story about a man who was buried in the Holy Land. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. I just can't take that chance. And uh, all right, sorry, obligatory preacher joke. That's the last one like that, I promise. Uh, you know, we worship on Sundays every week as a church. The Jewish people worship their Sabbath was Saturday. It changed to Sunday because it was on Sunday morning that the women took their spices to the tomb to, to anoint Jesus' body. They, they assumed his body was decomposing on that third day and something amazing happened. They found a stone rolled away, an angel sitting on it and a declaration that he was not there, that the spot where he had been laid, he got up and walked out of. And, and now we gather every Sunday, but every Every once in a while, once a year, 2.3 billion people, think of that, this weekend are thinking about Easter resurrection of the fact that a man was crucified, buried, laid in a rented tomb, and on the third day rose from the dead. And so I have great news this Easter weekend. He has risen. Is that good news? Or is that good news? He's risen. And, uh, and because of that, it makes all the difference in the world. And, and there are four books of the Bible that really deal with the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in these four books, it tells the life, the times, the teaching, the birth, the ministry, the parables, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And, and Mark, Mark if, if you're a person who likes to cut to the chase, you'll love Mark the most because he's the man of fewest words, okay? Shortest book. He, he uses the word immediately, the whole book, like boom, boom, boom. I mean, Mark just gets to it. And, uh, and I want us to look because all four of these gospels contain this story of the woman coming to anoint Jesus' uh, body. But Mark tells the whole story in two verses, okay? So I'm going to preach the shortest Easter message you've ever heard. I didn't need you to say amen, but... Uh, I mean, I mean, from the shortest verse, right? And, and yet I think it has huge power. I mean, Mark really gets to it because the women show up and they're scared. And the Bible says, don't be alarmed. Now, why are they alarmed? Because an angel is there. How many know if you opened your garage door tonight and walked in and an angel said, hello, you'd be alarmed too, right? And so they're like, what? Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, of, Jesus the Nazarene. He was crucified. I love these words. He has risen. Come on, let's say those three words together. He has 
risen. So good. And he's not here and see the place where they laid him. The first thing that Easter does is they showed the women the spot where they laid him and made them confront the reality that he was not there. This was truth for their mind that he had resurrected from the dead. It's probably important for you to know, maybe somebody brought you here today and you're like, what kind of church is this? There are churches that believe different things. Some believe Jesus' legacy lives on, his teachings, his spirit. You're in a place that believes that Jesus is actually alive right now. Is that okay? Is that the kind of church you were looking for? You know, like, like he literally was dead and he literally rose from the dead. And because of that, he proved that he was God. This is not just a good idea. This is reality. And in fact, Mark tells it with some historical um, specificity. He tells it because he lists people by name as eyewitnesses. And that's the reason they would do this in the Bible times is so that when people would read Mark's account of Jesus' resurrection, they would include the names of women that these people actually knew so that you could go cross examine them. And in fact, within eight verses, I'll just show it to you real quick. Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, Salome, Mark 15, 40. Then again in 47, Mary Magdalene, Mary. And then again in 16, 1, Mark 16, 1, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, Salome. In eight verses, Mark lists the three women three times that saw Jesus with their own eyes. And here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to let everybody know this is not just something he made up. There were at, you could go cross-examine them. You could go, he's saying, you know these ladies. And, and they, they, they actually saw it with their own eyes. And so the first eyewitnesses of Jesus were women. How many think that was pretty smart of God, right? I thought I'd get a bigger amen than that, but okay. And they, and they begin to tell the story and Mark lists them by name to remind us this is not just a good idea, a fanciful teaching. This is not a, a Easter bunny a, a sort of made up story or fairy tale. This is a historical reality that a man was dead and on the third day he rose from the dead. In fact, something amazing happens. Jesus' early followers go from being disillusioned and weak, this little group of 11 disciples, maybe 120-ish total followers and all of a sudden something transforms them that they start the greatest mission movement compassion movement humanitarian movement that's ever been in the world and they go from 11 guys to 2.3 billion what caused a group of fearful people to happily die for their faith and give their lives to spread the message they saw a man who was dead come back to life and they were convinced this thing wasn't just a joke it was the real deal i want you to know the resurrection is not just a little part of the christian story it is the main event the big kahuna the super bowl i mean it is what it all hinges on jesus come on somebody jesus is alive he's alive and that's truth for our minds it was about five years ago in the middle of the night our um one of our fire alarm smoke alarms downstairs started going off in the house so i ran down the stairs and i saw water pouring out of this fire alarm so i ran back upstairs and i realized my daughter's toilet was overflowing in my house if there's a problem it's always my daughter's bathroom i'm just telling you and on, so i turn get at the water stop i run downstairs and i'm looking at the craziness the ceilings all wet for a couple hours the water's been pouring out and i'm trying to figure out oh my word what are we going to do and and my, my daughter comes out of her room and she goes oh good at least it's only water i want you to think the ceiling's falling out and i'm like yeah it's only water a lot of it for hours and hours and hours 
And uh, in that moment, you're kind of, you know, you're groggy. It's like 3 a.m. Literally, Katie will tell you, this is not even a preacher story. It's true. Uh, this mouse runs across the floor. The roof's falling, you know, the, the second floor is falling in, the wood is rotted, the water everywhere, we're trying to shop back at, and, ah, my nine-year-old daughter starts screaming, and this mouse runs across, and runs right into the bathroom, and just in a moment, I just picked up a broom, and I, I don't know why, I'm not normally this aggressive, but I just went in the bathroom, and I just, I, I handled the problem, let me just put it that way, I pinned it in the corner, I just, just just took care of it. And my, do- my nine-year-old daughter, Piper, standing in the bathroom door going, ah, you're killing it. I'm like, I'm aware. That's kind of the, that's what I'm going for. And uh, she looks at me like a murderer. She says, couldn't you just scoop it up and save it? No, I couldn't. Uh, why don't we just take a poll? I want to see how many of you are with you, with her or me. How many of you think nothing wrong with killing that mouse right there in the spot? Come on. Where, come on. Where are the people you want me to save it? And we have a small group for you. Come on. Send it to your house. And uh, it's called Apex Predator. And I was higher than that. And all of a sudden, she's crying. And I don't know what, I'm overwhelmed. I mean, just woken up. The, the ceiling's ruined. The, and I just, I don't know what happened to me. I just opened the window. I picked up the mouse with my hand. And I just threw it in the yard. And I closed the window. And I thought, I don't know. Somehow just getting it out of the house made me feel better. And my wife said, did you just throw that into the neighbor's yard? And I said, shh. shh. Maybe. And uh, just this crazy moment the next morning, she said, do you think it's still in the yard? And I said, I'm pretty sure it's still in the yard because I really took care of it strongly. Guess what? It was still in the yard, a little gift for my neighbor. And uh, you want to know why it was still in the yard? Because dead things don't come back to life. And yet the reality of the story of Jesus is he was unlike any other human being. He not only said he'd be crucified and rise from the dead, but he was crucified and he rose from the dead. And there's literal historical evidence. So I just show you these verses because the authors of the Bible wanted us to know this is not just a good idea or fanciful thinking. Jesus Christ was dead. He was buried. And I have great news this Easter. He is alive. Aren't you glad for that? He's alive. And so it's amazing. The angel says to them, not only is he alive, but I want you to do something for me. I want you to go tell his disciples. I want you to go tell his disciples that he's alive. And then these words really hit me this Easter. Go tell his disciples. Come on, somebody. And what? And Peter. Why would he have to say, tell his disciples and Peter? Because how many know just days before this, Peter had blown it in a big way, right? Peter had uh, come up short, right? Peter, in the moment, I mean, if I was Jesus at this moment, I would say, go tell the disciples and you get that coward Peter, that wuss who failed in the moment, that guy who couldn't hold up under pressure. You get him, I want to have a crack at him. You know what I mean? But I love that the angel says, you go tell the disciples and Peter. Why did he say and Peter? Because imagine if the women went back and told the disciples, Jesus wants to appear to you. And Peter might have thought, am I included in that list? I mean, I'm sure he wants to appear to all the other disciples, but I was the one who in the moment of struggle fell backwards and didn't really, didn't really stick with him. Surely you guys go, Jesus isn't wanting me. But I'm so glad this Easter that Jesus not only wanted the disciples, he wanted the imperfect disciple. I wonder if I've got any imperfect people here this Easter. Come on. Any imperfect people? Come on. You say, no, pastor. We are the 930 Easter people. The imperfect people are coming at 1150. Come on. 
I get it, but I'm just telling you the amazing thing about Peter is that God, I love this about Easter. We not only have truth for our mind, but we have grace for our heart. Aren't you glad that Easter is a message of grace, right? Like even though we put on our best, right? We put on the coat, the pastel shirt. Some of you are wearing your best sweatpants, right? We're dressed up today. And we can tend to think that maybe that's how it is with God too. We have to put on the right stuff to get to God. We have to get ourselves together to get to God. Maybe I got to fix up my life so that I can get to God. How many know you don't fix up your life to get to God? You get to God to fix up your life, right? How many know you don't get rid of your sin to get to God? You get to God to get rid of your sin, right? How many know you don't straighten out your future so you can get to God? You get to God so you can straighten out your future. How many know you don't fix yourself up before you come to God? You come to the one who specializes in helping transform our life, right? And this angel says, I want you to go tell the disciples, but I also want you to tell the imperfect, the, the guy who blew it, the guy who messed up, the guy who came up short, tell Peter. And the amazing thing is God still has a plan for Peter. Aren't you glad God still uses imperfect people this Easter? Aren't you so glad the message of Easter isn't as long as you got it all together, amen, God's got a plan for you, right? Aren't you glad that he, he specializes, he knows our name and he calls us out by grace. And the amazing thing to me is just a few weeks from this moment, Peter will stand on the day the church has started. It's called the day of Pentecost. And when God's picking who will be the speaker for opening night at the church, surely it wouldn't be Peter. I mean, he has, surely Peter is now on probation, right? Like Peter, if you mess up again, we're taking your Costco card. I'm just telling you, right? Surely he's got a, a point off his license. I mean, surely something. But the amazing thing is when God picks who's going to preach that Pentecost day and the church is going to be built, he picks the guy who messed up the most. You want to know why? Because sometimes God can use the person who's messed up the most because they know how much they need him the most, right? In fact, it's amazing to me that Peter messes up the most and yet he's used by God the most. And I'm just reminding us today, sometimes we don't love God greatly until we realize how gracious he's been to us. Until we fully tasted our own failure and recognize how good God is to us. Sometimes we, we, we can live with a sense of entitlement or self-righteousness. I'm here to remind us today, we aren't righteous in and of ourselves. Easter is about God doing something for us we couldn't do for ourselves. Is that okay, right? Like, like Easter is not about God. You got a great deal. It's me. <laughs> Easter is about a God taking a bunch of people like the early disciples and making them uh, useful. I've heard people say, well, I wish I could live in Bible times. That's when they had it all together. I want you to know the early Christian followers didn't have it all together. We don't have it all together. And we specialize in working with a God who's full of grace and mercy and uses imperfect people. Just how many know you're in an imperfect city in an imperfect church? Come on, somebody. How many know your pastor's wife is imperfect? You're in a place of <laughs> imperfection, you know, and yet God works in our lives by grace. My mom sent our kids, we, we know, my mom knows our, for our family, Easter's kind of a crazy weekend with different services, different days. And so she sent a big box, mailed a big box to our house of uh, Easter eggs for the kids to have an Easter egg hunt. And my son was going through the eggs and I started to notice him shaking them a little. And I started to notice that some eggs made noise and some eggs didn't. And he was preferring the eggs that didn't make noise. 
So I investigated further and realized that my mom had put chocolate in some eggs and $5 bills in other eggs. And so he was kind of helping distribute the eggs and he was happily passing out the chocolate. You know what I mean? And I said, Carter, what's all the ones behind you? And he said, well, they're, they're, they're the lighter eggs. I said, no, I know they're the lighter eggs, but can I see one of them? And so pray for him. He'll be at the 1115 service. (laughs) God will work in his heart, you know, and, uh, how many know all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory? I love that this Easter, the angel said, go tell the imperfect disciples, there's still a plan. There's still a purpose. There's still hope. In fact, even find the guy, Peter, who one time, two times, three times denied Jesus, cursed him, ran away, wept in pain. In the biggest moment when he was, when the lights were the brightest and the challenge was the biggest, Peter failed in the most massive way. And God said to Peter, I still have a plan and I still have a purpose. And I think some people came here this Easter weekend thinking, there's no way God can use me. I'm just going to slip in the back and slip in and out of church. I'm here to tell you, God specializes in using people who have messed up in big ways, who come to him in humility and give all their failures to him. And he uses that for his glory and his purpose and his plan. And the angel says, go tell the disciples and go tell Peter. And he tells them this, don't be alarmed. <laughs> You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. He's risen. He's not here. See the place they laid him. Now I want you to go. I want you to go tell people what has happened. He gives them truth for the mind and grace for the heart. But then he says, you're going to live your life with a sense of purpose. Maybe just write this down this weekend. God gives us purpose for our pathway. How many know God gives us purpose, right? He tells them from this moment, because you've met the resurrected Jesus, your life's going to be lived with purpose. You know, I'm convinced that our world is wondering what on earth am I here for? Where did I come from? What's my purpose? What's my plan? What's my calling? How do I find fulfillment? And people in our culture are searching everywhere they can to stuff their life with purpose. And they're searching for achievement and success and relationships and, and, and sex and hobbies and money and all as if they can find significance. And, and yet the world is saying, no, it's just all random. And, and, but yet how many know when you connect your life to God, you connect your life to purpose, Right. And it's amazing. The angel says, there's two things you don't have to do. He says, don't be afraid. But then he says, once I've dealt with your fear, you're going you're gonna to be somebody who goes and who lives on mission, telling others the love of Jesus. We're a church that exists to tell others the great news of Jesus. Lee Strobel tells the story. He was a historian and a journalist for the Chicago Tribune. And, and Lee Strobel is his name. He was a non-believer. He was an atheist, in fact. He didn't believe that Christianity existed. And so years ago, he set out to prove that, that Christ did not raise from the dead. And so he, like he would approach any kind of news story, he did an investigation. And he involved all the journalistic uh, methods he would use to investigate the facts of any case on the life of Jesus. And something amazing happened in Lee's life. Through months of investigation, through attempts to prove the biblical writers and extra biblical writers incorrectly bumped into the reality that he could not disprove that Jesus was raised from the dead. In fact, he came to believe that he was raised from the dead and it changed Lee's life. And 
One Easter Lee felt like it was going into Easter weekend, like God put it on his heart to invite one of his uh, co-workers to, to Easter service. And he knew this guy was also an atheist. And so he thought, I, I don't know if he's going to accept it, but he really felt a burden on his heart to do that. And he went and asked the man, he said, I, I wonder if you and your wife would join my wife and I for church this Easter. And that man immediately shot back at him. You know, I don't believe in that. That's a bunch of just fairy tale, not true. The man started hitting him with that. And Lee gave him a few reasons why it could be true, but the man eventually said, absolutely not. We're not going to Easter. And Lee walked away from that encounter thinking, I wonder why God put it on my heart to invite that man when he so strongly said no. And a few years later, Lee was sharing his story and a man came to the front and said, I got to tell you a story. He said, a few years ago, I'm a copier repairman. I was repairing a copier at the Chicago Tribune when I heard you walk in and invite one of your coworkers to Easter. He said, y'all didn't see me because I was around the corner working on the copier, but I heard him say, I'll absolutely not go. And I heard the reasons you gave for why Jesus had raised from the dead. And something happened in my heart when you were saying those reasons to him that I went home that night and said to my wife, we've got to go to Easter service. And she said, go where? Because we had never been really a church going folks. And he said, and that weekend we went to church on Easter Sunday. I gave my life to Jesus and I've been waiting for a moment to find you someday. You thought you were inviting him. You didn't know that around the corner I was repairing a copier and God was using your words to change my life. I'm telling you, you need to know this. When you give your life to Jesus and you taste of how good he is, his forgiveness and grace, you begin to live on purpose. In fact, we want you to know this is why we have multiple services and multiple nights. And this is why we're building a bigger auditorium. We have church in a middle school and we set up chairs in the lobby. It's not because we're trying to be a big church. That's not what it is at all. We're just trying to tell every person in Richmond, Virginia, every man and woman, boy and girl, that there's hope and purpose. And that is found in Jesus Christ because we've tasted what he's done in our life. And we think it can, how many know there are some things you that change your life that you have to tell other people about them? Come on, somebody, right? Like you have to tell other people about them. I'm telling you that for my wife on vacation, when she gets a good soft serve ice cream with rainbow sprinkles, she becomes an evangelist for ice cream. Come on. She looks skinny, but she can put it away. I'm just saying. I'm telling you, people get excited about ice cream and movies. We're excited about the reality that Jesus still changes lives. And the angel said, I want you to get free from your fear and I want you to go. You see, see, we have freedom from the world so that we can have freedom for the world so that we can tell the world of the hope we have in Jesus. Jesus is telling them to have purpose. The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why you were born. God has built us on purpose for a purpose. Why on earth am I here? What's my purpose? All of that contained cover to cover in the Bible is of a God who has given us purpose. I, um, I grew up in a home that my dad and my grandpa owned a, a construction company. Um, and from about the age of 11, 10 or 11, every summer I worked in the construction company. No one told me about child labor laws. I should have known about them, man. Uh, I remember I was finally been working for my dad and grandpa's company for five years every summer. And one fall, one of my friends said to me, what do you do for, for your grandpa's company? And uh, here's what I did. I was the last one on the job site with a dump truck. 
And I cleaned up the whole yard, raked it, got all the debris out of it, loaded it in a dump truck. My job was to make the, every blade of grass look right, you know, the whole yard perfect. And then I had to ring the doorbell and get the final check from the customer, okay? So that was my job. And so I tried to explain to my friend how important my job was to keep the customers um, happy. And he said, oh, you're the junk guy. You clean up the junk. And I said, no, I'm not the junk guy. I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm the customer relations guy, okay? And he said, no, it sounds like to me you just clean up junk. I don't know why that really hit me. And so I went to my grandpa and my dad. I said, I feel like I just clean up junk because that's pretty much what I do. I need a new role in this company, you know, 15 years old. And uh, my grandpa said, I'll think about it. And so a week later, he had me into his office and he said, I heard you want a new role in this company. I said, I want a new role in this company. Right now I'm the junk guy. He said, well, I'm gonna show you what, 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 why you're not just the junk guy. And he had bought me three, three gifts that day. The first one, unless you've ever done a roof cleanup with nails, you don't know how hard it is to rake up all the nails. He got me a long magnet on wheels with a handle that you could roll across the yard and all the magnets would pop, 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 pop. You, you're not as excited as I was. I'm telling you, this thing changed my life. I mean, pop, 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 it was just so, the coolest thing I ever see. So he handed me this and I said, oh, this is so good, Pap. I called, we called my grandpa Pap. Oh, that's so good, Pap. And he said, I have another thing for you. And he pushed across the deck, across the desk, my first set of business cards. Mm-hmm. I opened the box. I'm telling you, glossy cardstock business card. Brandon M. Samuel, okay? He didn't include my initials because BS is my initials. <laughs> Perfect for a preacher. And uh, Brandon M. Samuel. And then underneath, I got my first title, ground crew coordinator. Y'all don't know about a ground crew coordinator up in here. And then the third thing he gave me was a beeper. Come on, somebody. If you're under 20, you don't even know how revolutionary a beeper was. A beeper, business card, magnet. I, wa- I walked out of that office doing the same thing, but man, I felt good about it. <laughs> I went and found my friend in school, and he said, you still cleaning up the junk? I said, no, you don't understand, but if you need me, you can reach me. I handed him... My business card, I'm a crown crew coordinator. And I, you see, brother, what you don't understand is my job is to get that yard right so that I get the money. And then also you can reach me on that number there. That is my beeper. If you need me, I will then call you back because I got a beeper and a card. Mm, come on, somebody. And I said, and you work for Pizza Hut. And by the way, my grandpa owns this business. So I'm just saying, uh, I'm telling you what happened was my grandfather gave me purpose. In fact, if you ask me actually where I learned to be a pastor, I think I learned to be a pastor making customers happy in front yards. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. How can I make it better? How can I keep you happy? How can I mean, I think my grandpa taught me how to be a pastor with, I'd call back when you beat me. I'd give you my business card. I'll make you happy. You know what I mean? But what my grandfather did was he looked at a 15 year old kid who needed purpose. And he said, you're not just cleaning up junk. You have a set of purpose. I feel like God sent me here this Easter weekend because there are some people that you're walking through life and you don't have purpose. You're trying to do it your way, your own way. And God is shouting from the balcony of heaven. There's purpose for your life. I made you on purpose. Exactly. You are no accident. You are no, you, you're, you don't need, God made you the way he made you with all the hair he wanted you. If he wanted you to have more hair, he would have given you more. Come on, some of you, I'm looking at you. You know what I'm saying? I'm just here to remind us when our lives are connected to God. How many are grateful when our lives are connected to God, they're connected to purpose, right? 
He says to his disciples, from this moment on, you're going to go. And they started the most miraculous missionary movement in the history of the world to take the message of Jesus around the world. The greatest humanitarian work in the history of the world they started. And God did it in an incredible way. Here's what God did. God took the crucifixion of Friday and he turned it into the celebration of Sunday. I just felt like God gave me this thing and then I'm going to pray. That some of you have put a period on the Friday disappointments of your life. And you thought that was the end of the story when God had only put a comma there. And you thought Friday was the end of the sentence, but God just put a comma there because Sunday was come. You've walked through a crucifixion moment in your life this year. And God says you can stay there on Friday, but there's hope if you'll just trust me a little further. There's a resurrection on Sunday. How many know God takes the disappointments of our life and folds them into his great plan of redemption, grace, and kindness? And that's what happened to a group of... Uh, disciples ragtag Galilean fishermen had their lives turned upside down and he can do the same with us would you take that little survey card Easter survey card in your hand and just a second we're going to be done there's a if you flip it over there's a spot that says a b c d I would love for all of us to check one of these four boxes even if you're not going to you can just fake it and I'll think you are okay a, every year, every, hundreds of people say, I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. and It's just a way to thank God that you know Jesus as Savior. And one of my favorite things that happen every Easter, you just need to know this, though, is dozens and dozens of people will check box B. And here's what box B says. I am beginning a real relationship with Jesus today. Right now, where you are in your seat, you can say, I've heard the message of grace of Easter and I want to begin a real relationship with Jesus. I hope you'll do that. Some of you may not be ready yet. You say, I'm going to consider it a little bit more first, and we're going to pray for the journey um, that God has you on. And we, we like everybody to participate, so we don't want to manipulate anybody. There may be some here this weekend that say, I don't intend on making that decision. One of my favorite things about these Easter cards is every year a couple people will check box B. I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus, and then they'll write underneath it, Yesterday, or last year, I was a D. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite things that happens. So would you let me pray for us before we fill these cards out? God, thank you that you love us, that you have grace for us, that you forgive us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for hope. Thank you this Easter that you are alive and you have a future and a plan and a purpose for us. God, I pray as we're all figuring out where we're at on this survey, pray that there'd be some people who would say, I'm done just considering it. Today, I want to begin a real relationship with you. I want to follow you. I want to come home. I want to know you as my Savior and my Lord, for we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Would you fill that card out, A, B, C, or D? And then I'm going to invite our hosts to come in both campuses. In this room, our hosts can come, and we're going to just sing this song through a couple times because he lives and as they're coming, would you do me a favor? Just flip that card over and pass it right to the aisle. Come on, I'll make it even a little easier. Just pass those cards. We don't need the whole worship guide. Maybe just that survey card. You pass it, flip that card over and pass it right to the aisle. And then our hosts are gonna come through with these buckets and collect those cards. And 
There's a great old song that says, because he lives. You know what, Melissa? You know what, Roberto? Sing, because he lives through a couple times as we collect these cards. Mm-hmm.